morning, everybody. <sighs> it's always nice to wake up and find out you got a free podcast on the internet. And then remember, <laughs> remind yourself, I have a podcast I got to go make on the internet. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Sketchcraft. Morning podcast. We're going to have fun for a show for you today. Yep. So today... Uh, we got another interview for you. It's going to be awesome. Bringing on Jen Brumall. Hello. Hey, Jen. How you doing? I'm doing good. We had a fun little episode. My internet went out like right before, and I was like, I can't get Discord on my phone. Like, so. <laughs> I don't know how to work the phone. What's the phone? I was like, I almost went down to T-Mobile. I was like, work this thing. Like, <laughs> like Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai. I don't know phones, man. You move computers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do that too. Like I want to like just carry my whole computer into the store and be like, make it happen. <laughs> like, like, no, I, you lost that opportunity like, twenty years ago, yeah. kid. Yeah, they're like, um, this is not how it works these days. They're like it's not how it working for me. <laughs> well, we're gonna move on in just a second, but I I will say like, you ever give yourself a thought right before you go to sleep where you're like, why did I do that to myself? Like last night. For some reason, I decided to remind myself that I first used Amazon in 1999. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's 20. What was the... F oh, no, it was all just books, you know? <laughs> You're like, that was Stone Age. <laughs> right. And now I have computers with listening devices who can't tell me, you know, the <laughs> anything useful, Alexa, right? But it knows everything I'm going to buy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't that nice Thank you, Alexa. Yeah, Odessa. Uh, so, see, she never wants to say you're welcome. She, she stopped talking no. to me a week ago. No, eventually she starts ignoring. <laughs> I think she's just reporting. This guy's a loser. You know, <laughs> why'd you send me to this art studio? Go to Sean Gordon Murphy's studio. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, she's over there like, when is Skynet coming? <laughs> I'm so done. <laughs> uh, 2.14 a.m. August 29th. <laughs> and every every year, Jen, if you follow me uh, at all, every August 29th, you're going to see <laughs> at 2.14 a.m. I post a meme reminding everybody. <laughs> like, this, just say now? Well, this year I got lucky because James Cameron also announced a new trailer right after I posted that. So I was like, yes, finally. All right. So who is Jen Brewell? <laughs> Look, my audience is limited. <laughs> Right, so okay. we we need so to explain good. to them. So, Jen is a freelance artist. Is that fair to explain? Mm -hmm. Right, freelance artist. I met a number of years ago working with Tom over at uh, Big Dog Inc. I think mm -hmm. that's how we met. I think the last time we actually said hello is for Lights Camera Jungle. I want to I want to say that was probably. Tom. I think that's when Tom launched the Kickstarter for Lights Camera Jungle. Mm -hmm. 2016. Oh man, I've grown two inches since then. I got the little notch on the wall. I'm so proud of myself. <gasps> so <laughs> I know, right? Let's <laughs> just talk about me. Ask what you're measuring, but that's good. Congrats. Ego. Proud of you. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife's like, hmm. <laughs> She's like, no, no. So let's go <laughs> ahead. And... Here's Jen's. I right? Yeah, believe me. Here's Jen's. Instagram page, we could check this out. Um, I really, you know, sadly, I was a little bit busy uh, a month or two well, earlier this year when you launched your Kickstarter. I would have asked you to be on during then, but you don't need my help. Look at you. You earned, wow, 
you pocketing all that ten grand by yourself, right? Just putting that right into right into hot toys. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never like shipping totally. nothing. <laughs> never shipping. No, actually, I shipped everything. That was that was a massive um, case of heartburn, um, just because doing Kickstarter alone <laughs> with no help is is difficult i mean i tried to rope in my children but again they're really tiny so they were not that helpful except for like stuffing the pins uh because right. i made pins into like little baggies so that was good i had some child labor but other than that some it was all me it's in the pie chart <laughs> on the kickstarter yeah. right? <laughs> you, don't work out. you only get a little bit of food now um but <laughs> And then of course, you know, my husband is, is supportive and he helped me with packing everything, but that was the whole like two hours in the garage of us just legit, just cursing at each other. Oh, um, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Just like, can't you just get in the effing box? <laughs> so, you know, try not to drop things and make sure everything is, uh, makes sense and packaged well. But other than that, the whole Kickstarter was run by yours truly. And, um, it was it, I, it was a baby Kickstarter. I just wanted it to be simple. I basically was just trying to make money to print the books. I participated right. in hashtag mermaid and I was like, that's like 30 something drawings. Let's, let's make this work for me. And um, then I also met Tom Bancroft who started the hashtag mermaid campaign and I asked him to do a forward. And, you know, got to talk to him about old Disney days and things like that, which is really, really cool. And, and went from there, it ended up being like double what we had asked for initially, which was great. That helped me. And, um, I did after I did pay for everything and then I shipped everything. I did use what was left to help. Um, uh, what is it? We, redid my studio because the space was so cramped. I have a really odd shaped room in this house and we had to make it work better because I was just kind of getting lost in my little, little cave. Well, that's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into, I got, I got specific Kickstarter questions in a little bit, but let's just take it. Let's just reel it back a bit. Let's just reel it back. Okay. So I just want to start a little bit at some of your art influences, right? Maybe, oh. um, when you were younger and first learning, what kind of effect you did then, and maybe what sort of influences you now? Like, because um, I take a look, I'm like, I see some '90s, and I yes. def, I definitely remember the last time we met, you were like, Rob, check it out. And I was like, what, what, what I do? And you showed me, you had a copy of Spawn Wildcats, which yes. is drawn by Scott Clark, which I want to talk about too. That, that, that's uh, he's a bit of a beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. it's it's a very underrated. He said he was such a great artist and that book in particular is really well written. But let's talk about some of your influences when you were younger and, and, and now. So what what inspired uh, you to draw? Like what what gets you there? Dude, um, well, I mean, of course, you know, being children of the eighties, so we were inspired by a lot of things. <laughs> Commercials. Um I mean, but like Brian Froud, definitely, and like so like this dark crystal revamping, I'm just kinda like going absolutely crazy for her because it's like all of that beautiful aesthetic that i love so and um, for those who don't know who brian froud is brian yes. froud was the original illustrator for the dark crystal a lot of his he did books and and stuff i, I just remember the big book of brian froud when i was like in high school because it had that right script. with the waterfall yeah and it had that scripty font i want to say it was like early papyrus right <laughs> you know, yes. pa papyrus whatever <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever ryan gosling would call that um but <laughs> <laughs> uh 
but yeah so and then i was like oh this guy's art is dope so i definitely and get it, that it was beautiful and i mean really if you look at um us uh, this generation that grew up with having that um we are really rarely heavily influenced even if we like it or not because he did just so many movies right. <laughs> with jim henson and all of those designs and labyrinth yeah labyrinth dark crystal and it's just his stuff is just gorgeous especially when you pick up his art books they're a feast for the eyes so i i totally absolutely loved him and then of course you know the 50s pinups you know like gil evergreen and joyce valentine and things like that and then of course like you said the 90s i when i got into comics i i got into comics in the 90s so the the epic hair the crazy outfits um i was i i had the influence from my dad from the older comics because he was a big spider-man fan and and whatnot but um i didn't start actually reading comics until like the 90s and that was the big image days and all of that so you see that and and how i draw my stuff but it, i think that it's starting to lean away from it now they're not so hyper stylized anymore <laughs> you're like I, I need to i need to move forward <laughs> yeah well yeah. it's kind of like you know after a while as artists as you know we we tend to like to to grow and try new things so your style grows and changes and then after a while like for me i was like i'm tired of drawing chicks so. I can see this. Nothing but yes. dudes here. Yeah, some guys now, but there's going to be some beefcake coming. <laughs> it should be a countdown. There yeah, should be a countdown true. clock with like a beef, like a drawing of a beefcake, right? You're like, oh my god, it's coming. <laughs> did you Did you ever see that pizza cake shirt at Hot Topic? It was like no. they literally did this shirt years ago. Like it's like a cake with the slides. It's pizza cake, and I'm like genius you know <laughs> why not think of that like <laughs> so man i could use i could start using the puns for me <laughs> so um more recently do you find yourself more inspired by artists you found on instagram or just things on the internet or and your kids come home and they're like look at this amazing artist why can't you be as great as like does that ever happen my niece gives me that one she likes to <laughs> <laughs> she likes to send me texts uncle rob you can really learn from this kid you know and i'm like thanks appreciate it yeah kids like a dude she's interested in he's the best i'm like isn't he any of the greatest take you out sometime like <laughs> um well thankfully right now they're still too young um <laughs> to like it's cute because like they're nine and five and um they when we go to comic shops my oldest will be all like my mom drew that so nice. <laughs> like, like so they're still proud of me uh but then <laughs> countdown the clock time, to 14 count, right <laughs> yes yeah so, so when they're not but then like we'll go like recently we just did dragon con and the child care fell through so they were with us and that was oh that was a long show um and we would walk around and they like right now with their age, they're attracted to cute things. So all things cute. They're all like, right. mom, 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 mom. And I'm all like, yeah, I like it too. It's really cute. But you know, I don't they must really it. love the enamel pins from the Kickstarter. They love the pins. Right. Oh my God. They went berserk for the pins. They, you know, but they're, they're supportive in their own way. I think for me, um, what I'm influenced by now is, is I, I do check out Instagram a lot, like pretty much everyone that I follow on Instagram is an artist. And 
um, it's a double-edged sword because you're scrolling and you see so much amazing mm. artists and artwork. And then you're after like a while, you're like, I'm not gonna, you have to just step away from the phone, but it's beautiful to see how much talent is out there. I would love to be able to draw cuter. It just, just does not seem to be my style at the moment. I can draw cute things, but they seem to like take on a spooky edge. So, and that seems to be my wheelhouse <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, with, with kicks. So I was fortunate when I was younger to go to Comic-Con in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Literally I was there when image launched. So um, I would be in, I would be like, you know, I was, that was, I'll tell you about that sometime. So I would see all this amazing art and it would be a good reality check. Like, okay, so that is the actual industry standard, not the other kid at school who draws who's competing with Rob. Um, mm -hmm. But I could leave that there and come home and then work, right? And now right. It, now with Instagram, you know, there's so many amazing artists, you get the feeling like, like uh, sometimes you ever get the feeling like, oh, everyone's making all this amazing art, you know, like yeah. at, at once, but me, I'm the only person not doing anything, you know? <laughs> so it, I see sometimes, especially, especially with young artists, I think they feel like they're competing with, 10,000 other people simultaneously and it's not really the case at all no no and that's the thing that you know it's a great thing to have this social media but again that's why i call it a double-edged sword because it can give you that whole complex and and whatnot so you do have to just kind of set it down and step away and then focus on yourself and stop comparing i mean it's i love being inspired but we all have that innate competitive streak in all of us we wouldn't be successful artists if we didn't um but at the same time it's kind of like when i tell people all the time like you can be influenced you can be inspired but in the end you're never going to draw like so and so because you're not so and so right so stop comparing and just fix you fix your thing improve your yourself improve your craft it's going to take time it's going to suck it's going to hurt you're going to cry, you're going to get mad, and then you're going to make mistakes, but then you're going to improve. And then you look back in a year and you're like, wow, I really sucked. I got better. And, you know, it's really, you can only compete against yourself, be inspired by others, and then just kick yourself in the pants to get better. Yeah, that's exactly it. So when did you first start doing freelance? Like, how did that, like, when, okay, so you started, I, I'm assuming you drew in high school. You're like, I love art. Like, so when did you make the, when did you make the jump from, you know, I love art to someone needs to pay for these art supplies. Like, uh, so I need, yeah, you make money for this. This is expensive. Um, I love to draw and I was always surrounded by it as a kid in high school, even younger, because my mother was a graphics designer back in the heyday of the 60s and 70s. This is why I'm really heavily traditional too, because I inherited all of their supplies. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, like I'm using my dad's old drafting stencils still. And um, like, this is crap you can't find anymore because they just don't make it. Yeah, built uh, to last, and, right? I know, it is, it really is, unless you like crack it in half. So it's kind of like, you know, don't do that. Um, but, so my mother designed like dog food bags and things. Um, so she has a good, like, uh, she has two styles that are unique to her. She can draw like hyper realism. And then she draws this really odd, 
it's not cartoon. She does not draw like me at all, but it's like this abstract look that's just, it's distinctly hers. It's very interesting. And then my dad did architecture and he worked at the Navy base designing airplanes and helicopters and stuff. Um, so that was my background as far as any kind of teaching that I received, but it was mostly just their fundamentals. Like my parents were like, composition and negative in space and now figure it out on your own and uh, you know <laughs> their parenting style was that drawing meme where it's you know start with the sketch you know and then, yes. then boom done spider-man you know <laughs> yeah draw the rest right. <laughs> but that was the thing is like they were like you know go look at things go figure it out and it's the same thing that i'm doing to my children and they're actually becoming very good artists but it's because you're not giving lessons you're teaching fundamentals and then you're letting them figure it out on their own and that was me and um then in college i dropped it um completely i have a degree in musical theater <laughs> oh. uh, yeah i can see me dancing jazz hands so you, you can do the lights camera jungle play right like you can musical yeah, right <laughs> 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 the world is a jungle, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, I'll be extra number five over there in the corner stage. And, and and who and who's the big dog now? Or that I would like that one. Yeah. Starting Steven yeah. Seagal, and then Tom will be like, "It's fairly funny, Rob. It's really funny." <laughs> He'll be like, "Come on, this is, this is a good idea. We're taking a Broadway." Uh <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, uh, but, you know, which I don't use my degree, <laughs> sadly. Um, when I graduated college, I, I actually dropped doing anything art-wise for like six years. Um, I didn't pick up a pencil for a very long time until I, I, um, I realized that the rat race of performing was really a drag going to all these auditions and then not getting cast and then just basically being a number it was it's a it's a cutthroat industry if you think that comics are hard good lord um it was just it ended up not being fun anymore and there was no joy and i realized that art gave me a lot more joy than performing which performing gives me joy but not the whole auditioning part of it i guess and um, so I started back up and I, I, I was really bad. Um, I was drawing really crappy anime stuff. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> I figured, yeah, of course, because, you know, we all start somewhere. Um, but I figured I'd take my sketchbook to Heroes Con. And that was Shane and I were together. We were not married. I think I was like 22 at the time. And I got a dress down critique, which was a very good critique on my work. You know, basically it was a you suck critique, which was good feedback. It was what I needed him. I could handle that. It was when the gentleman was like, he kind of looked at me, he was like, how old are you? I'm like, I got 22. And he's like, well, you know, you're old. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and he's like, and you're a girl. So and I was like, what? And he's like, so with you being 22 and a woman, um, you two are together, obviously. So you're going to have kids, you're not going to have time and your skill level is just not there. So just don't do it. And it was like a slap in the face. So I have a tendency to. You clearly took his advice. I, I, well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a dick that way. I like to be, um, I like to prove people wrong, especially when they hurt my feelings. So right. 
I get vindictive. I'm like, fine, I'm going to be successful, you jerk. And, you know, I, I cried, I cried. But then I, I took his art critique to heart and then gave the finger to the rest of the stuff and really sat down and worked on learning anatomy, drawing stuff I don't like drawing and, and moving from there. And then I think um, uh, I was working a temp job and I was six months pregnant and I got laid off because I was pregnant. So with the pre-existing condition, I wasn't going to get another job. So I decided to go for it. And here I am today. Yes, I have no time. I am older. I have children, but I still do it. I just sacrifice my sanity. So, you know, the, this is something that like, so give me a little bit of my background. My, my mom uh, had me when she was very young and then she got married and then the eighties divorce early on. So her and I were living together. And so mm -hmm. I was raised on like Alice, the TV show Alice and, and mm -hmm. independent woman. And, you know, Rob, no one's going to give, you know, anyone. She told me anyone a break in life, but clearly it was how much more harder she had it than my father. And I could see that just right. by how I live with my mom compared to my dad. And I was like, Ooh, they have, this doesn't work. So when I was a kid mm -hmm. going to Comic-Con, these artists would tell me things like, hey, you know, really get into comics maybe when you're 30. So you got time to give your art a chance to grow, you know, like freelance, get it, whatever. But maybe mm -hmm. comics when you're a little older. Not not a, not a single one of them ever said, and you're probably going to have kids, so you should just give up. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> like it never yeah. came up. Like, mm -mm. and it's so weird because I'm like, are, is anyone telling your husband, hey, buy, hey, quit your job too because you might have kids someday, you know? And art ain't going to no. be like, like not because art's the only demanding job that might keep you away from home or <laughs> up late at night, right? Well, and it's kind of like, you know, I, I guess uh, like the, on the flip side, I know several artists who are fathers and it's not even the I is not even batted twice. Now, granted, some of them are, you know, in a relationship where, yes, their partner or wife or whomever takes care of the kids at home, et cetera. Or some of them are also single parents. So they're juggling the same issues that I am, but because they're dude. I guess it's not, I guess the, the stigma is still sort of there. Now, granted, when, you know, when I was 22, um, it was very different. I mean, like looking at Comic-Con Artist Alley, even now, there's so many more women there that it's, it's, it's refreshing, even from like five years ago. And that and, and, I believe, yeah, Jen, is yeah. the power of anime and manga. Like, and I'm not, I'm not even being like facetious. I'm being dead serious. Luckily, because those bookstores like Barnes and Noble started mm -hmm. carrying that giant manga section around the early 2000s, a lot of young girls grew up, you know, being able to read Full Metal, you know, <laughs> One Piece. Right. Like Ashley just got done watching all 1,000 episodes of One Piece. I'm like, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? Like, that, how do you even do that? It's amazing. So, but that's awesome, right? To see that change, even from when. I think when you and I first met, you and, um, oh, the cutest couple in the world. I'm goofing on her name. She's an amazing artist. Um, her and her husband. Uh, I'm really not giving names. Was it Natalie? Yeah, Natalie. You and her yes. were sharing a table. And it mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of women at that in that artist alley. I mean, I probably could have counted them on two hands, you know? Right. We were kind of, we were like an endangered species at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and now, you know, 
and now it's and now it seems like there's so many more and there's and it's like a gamut as far as like um the like the different styles that you see too and so it's like you have women drawing legit straight pinups you have women drawing absolutely cute things you have traditional digital and and you have them and it's and it's all spliced out with the guys and it seems like everybody's at the same level on the playing field so you see that it's not necessarily that gender is what bases the talent it's just the opportunity i think and um and then of course everybody who's their individual drives and whatnot um i think the the biggest thing still is that you know like at dragon con I'm there holding my five-year-old and people are like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to prove that asshole wrong. He told yeah. me when I was 22, I couldn't do both. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing both literally at the same time drawing. And I got the kid in my hand. <laughs> I'm still going to go back to my hotel room and cry in the shower tonight with a <laughs> bottle of wine, but I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, I ain't going to lie. It's hard, but, I think too with with my husband and I when I decided to really go for it, you know, first he made sure that it wasn't like hormonal um pregnancy craze stuff. And he was like, okay, like you're actually gonna do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Um, it was we sat down and we we made sure that we would be financially okay to live off of one income, which is mm. his job. And he is extremely successful in his work. He's an HR, which is hilarious given my job. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, he's, you know, he's at top of his game and people were like, well, then you guys are, you know, together. And he, he, they see us at shows. He's like the best person to sell my stuff. But after shows, he doesn't have a hand in it at all because he's doing his job. Right. He's keeping the roof over our heads, you know? And um, one, one point on that. So, uh, if I remember right, Shane was a big Zelda fan, right? Am yes. I, am I, I see. Look, I see. I, I not yes. good with names, but I remember. I'm I remember game. The game. <laughs> I remember his eyes just like lit up, and his phone went off. He's like, "I the Zelda theme played." Yes, and, and he's then like, like the group of Zeldas went by, and he spazzed. Right, right. <laughs> he's like, them. he's like, you know of this game? I'm like, yes, Shane, I've I've heard. Like, <laughs> very amazing. Like, <laughs> and you know awesome. what's funny is he is playing those old games now with our kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's we, we got the old system. That's the one thing you know. I don't have kids because I do not like right. sharing my toys. Um, <laughs> I so I get to vicariously be the funkle. Right, you know that term, yes. right? The, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I get to like uh, show my nephews or nieces the things that you know we love, you get to sort of re-experience it again as a general idea, right? Mm -hmm. Except for the day I bought the first virtual reality dev kit from Oculus, the DK One, and I was like, "This is amazing!" And then I've never, I'm in VR, and then they came over and they're like, "I'm in another dimension! I'm in another dimension!" You know? <laughs> I'm like, don't rip that cord out of my computer. I'll, <laughs> or I'm gonna be financially in another dimension. It's not. <laughs> I will not be Funkle anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Grumple, Grumple, yes, Grumple. Right. Funkle sounds like a Billy Bob Thornton movie waiting to happen, don't you think? <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! So let's just get back to so the Kickstarter mermaid. You mentioned a little bit before it was a hashtag. I am unfamiliar with this. So when did you first conceive of the idea of doing the mermaid art book? Like when did that? 
Um, well, uh, like two years ago, I saw the campaign of hashtag mermaid. So it was very much uh, similar, like Inktober, mm. um, where you're just drawing something every day towards a theme with Inktober's drawing something in ink. Usually they release a list like they have this year. And, um, mermaid is the same thing, except it's in May and every day for the month of May, you draw mermaids. Now they do release a theme. If you'd like to follow it, if not just legit, just draw mermaids. And Tom Bancroft, who was the creator of Mushu in Mulan and worked on Lion King and all of that stuff, he created that whole campaign on a whim and it snowballed. And I just, I love fantasy art anyway. So I was like, I, this will be a fun practice to just get into drawing daily. And I participated in it one month, one year and I failed miserably because I just couldn't keep up. It's much more difficult than, um, than I expected. And then the next year I, I made the decision to just really go for it. Cause, um, you know, my summers are, are restricted and I was like, okay, I'm just going to draw mermaids. This would be great. And I did prelim stuff first to build up to it. That's, that's how I keep, keep up with these campaigns. Um, and then I, I did it, and that was also how I built my Twitch channel as well. People were watching me participate in this campaign. Other people started participating in it and, and whatnot. So it was like this little community. And then uh, at the end, I, I had you know thir over 30 drawings. And I figured, I'm like, if I'm participating in these little hashtag campaigns online, which are fun, why am I not using all of this work for myself because finally it's not fan art it's something that came out of my brain that i own exclusively so i figured i'd make this work for me and that's when i decided to try the kickstarter to see if i even had the fan base to support it and um and branch out because that's my hope in the future is to create more work that's mine and hopefully come up with like a, a nice slick art book and the goal is to eventually like get picked up and have a large art book at Barnes and Noble one day. That that's my future. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, uh, that's the so when I first started doing Comic Con, when I started going to Comic Con, there were the thing to go to Comic Con for was either to meet the professionals, obviously, or to mm -hmm. see the artists and artists alley and what they're doing next. Fan art was only really there was like one or two dudes who were doing mm -hmm. fan art in the nineties and there was always like the really sexy up you know, like the basically oh, the yeah. ludes. The ludes, yes. Batgirl ludes and there was always everyone was like, Oh that lude guy back there with the the Jim Balin knockoff art. Yeah. <laughs> and after around Spider-Man, the first movie came out, then the re the the fandom was at a point where people it seemed to me that the fan art came about because people were looking to get a drawing of something they they already knew. You know, like when you go yes. to the the theme park, you'd like to get something that on um, the theme park, yes. but Comic Con, mm -hmm. and so that sort of took off. And the uh, the original idea thing kind of just didn't seem doable at Con. I mean, I remember trying to, I was with Tom around 2009, you know, and it was like, here's my own chicks. I had these things called guns and butter. It's not, wasn't the best idea, but it was <laughs> girls on like bikes with just absurd amounts of guns. Um, but it was cute. I remember them. Right. And it went nowhere. I mean, like I just, I couldn't do anything. So uh, here comes the fan art 
But mm -hmm. now it seems to be coming back. I just think because there's so much of it, people are like, when you, when you have your own ideas, when you have your own ideas, yes. Jen, you know, yes. so. Uh-huh. Well, I think that the problem is, is that the, before, like you said, it was a supply demand thing. And the consumer is, gravitates towards the familiar. Uh, unfortunately, like when you go to these shows, you have to have something familiar mm. to attract attention. But now the market has become so oversaturated that you have people who are not published and are just, you know, print print jockeys pushing stuff and fan art because they can, because they don't have to get published. They can create this art. People know it. So they go to it and they buy it. Um, but even that, even now that's starting to, to die away because there's so much that folks there's actually to see something else. There's actually people at con who they don't even do any art they literally just get art from different artists either legitimately mm -hmm. or illegitimately there seems to be more um, legitimately now but it was a problem uh, still is my stuff is swiped everywhere and then they'll <laughs> they'll erect this booth and it's just like how does one guy do 800 i mean i can have four or five different styles i get it but that many different and they're just these like yeah. print vendors so mm -hmm. it definitely you can i always feel bad for that one newer artist who she's like right across from him and she's just got her little booth set up and she thought it out and then <laughs> and then like mm -hmm. the, it's like the big box store moving right across from the mom and pop yeah like, with you know. the lights and right and all of the stuff and you know all the distractions and and oh look over here and uh yeah it's it's gotten a little cutthroat in artist alley and i feel like if you're going to be just a print vendor then get out of the artist alley and go into the vendor floor, mm. uh, pay the money, <laughs> pay the yeah. toll and go, go compete with the other stores. Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I, I have seen and I've watched that print sales are actually starting to go down simply because there's so many people can now be picky and also they're wanting more books. Their walls are full, so they have no more space. So they want something they can hold, they can carry with them and they want things that are different and now that's starting to attract people is something that stands out from the crowd something that's different something that's unique and that's where the art books come from i know myself like uh, as being an artist i love art books so seeing more art books i'm like oh my god yes and i end up going home with bags that are heavier than when we showed up because <laughs> i have bought so many books but you know um I, it's going like the convention scene is going to constantly change and it's going to, to, to evolve uh, as comics become more popular with the films and, and whatnot um, as, you know, this stuff becomes more pop culture versus being, you know, the odd thing to be interested in. It's now popular. Um, so I think that having something original that is your own, is not necessarily bad. And I think that having a good balance of fan art plus the original, you know, get the fan art stuff to rope people in, get the original stuff to be like, hey, this is this is this is me. And then you can, you know, you can go from there. In financials class, I'd call it diversification. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and it takes time to get there. I think that's I mean, that's just the one thing I try to stress. This is one of the, the reasons YouTube they, they do that. They give me the call every year to talk to me about my YouTube channel. Like, how come you just, you suck? You know, like, you're just not very popular, Rob. And here's how you can get popular. <laughs> and I have to explain to them, I'm, I don't want to be that popular. Like, no offense, guys. Like, 
I think a lot of these kids, they see these channels have millions of views and they think that um, they, they have to create instantly start drawing, you know, pro level art and start putting it on the internet and just get out there. And that's going to solve all their art problems and mm -hmm. taking the time to learn foundations, learn fundamentals, and then to be able to also give you time to have different styles and different content and to understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And just yes. inherently does not, it doesn't, it doesn't cooperate with the clickbait nature of, 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 you know, uh, views on the internet. Yeah, However, tough. yeah, I'll, I'll let you finish your sentence, but however, long-term, um, as an artist that, I mean, you're going to, you're, you're going to be doing this for a while. So you can't, mm -hmm. if you bow to the whims of what's trend, what, what algorithms working today, it's not going to matter five years from now. It's not. And I think the tough part is like the whole, like <sighs> patience is, is not practiced that much. <laughs> like we all want that instant gratification. And, um, and it's something that I tried to explain, like I've gone and I've talked to teenagers and they're like, but I want to be good right now. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you're not. And they're like, why? I'm like, cause you got to put the time in and you're not going to be instantly good. Now, granted, there is that one kid over there that we all wish, you know, uh, wish well, but at the same time hate because they're like, I'm not very good. And they show you your stuff and they're amazing. And you're like, shit it. But, um, that's a rarity. That's not the norm. And I try to explain, like, you didn't start talking in a day. You didn't, you can't watch a video on how to play the trumpet and immediately know how to play the trumpet. <laughs> you have to put the work in and you have to put in that time. And I also think that people don't realize that when you're on the outside and you're watching someone, watching an artist grow is actually very satisfying and gratifying to see their growth, to see their change and their, their journey. It's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't have to be instantly good, but um, you can also pigeonhole yourself if you start out with this one thing. And then the minute you try to branch out to something different, then all of a sudden everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not why I like you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, God forbid Jim Lee change. Just so the, the funny <laughs> thing about that. So, uh, I, I joined the military in 98. So it was right after the Heroes Reborn thing got completed. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, I got back uh, just a few months before 9-11, sadly. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Con. Let's see. Yeah, I went to Con, which was still being held in August. So mm -hmm. it was just a couple of months before. Yeah, it was a month before 9-11. So. Um, and Jim wasn't anywhere to be found. He had just done the Divine Rite, but he... He wasn't really producing work. He was running Wildstorm. And so I was at mm -hmm. Artist Alley, and which I was on the left side of Comic-Con that year. We used to be on the right. And I'm sitting there, and these kids, these younger kids were, like, trying to get Jim to draw some manga stuff. And I'm like, you draw manga? And then he was trying to kind of give them what they wanted. And they were, like, laughing at it. And I'm like, be laughing at fucking Jim Lee, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? That fucking dude. You know what that dude can do? Like, like yeah. Fucking why? You've seen his interiors. <laughs> but this is this really happened, you know? And this was before mm -hmm. he did the Batman and all that. And I was like, and at the time, like, he's an amazing like I remember in ninety five watching him show up to Con and it was like uh you know that scene in Spider Man where they all carry Spider Man over his shoulders, like in Spider Man mm -hmm. two. It was like I'd never the entire con swarmed Jim. So 
Um, Sometimes, you know, clowning, I don't know. I I don't know where I was going with that, but (laughs) I kind of lost my thought on that. I think that there, there is a timeliness with, with kids, right? Like when you're younger Mm -hmm. artists, you're like, why can't you do this now? I, I get it. When when some cats ask me, why don't you draw uh, like you know the the realistic rendered like art germ stuff? You know, like why don't you do, you ever think about doing something that looks more realistic? I'm like, yeah, and then I that makes me want to quit life. Like I don't, I'm not interested yeah. in it, kids. You know what I mean? Like it's not what Rob likes to do. Like it doesn't, it's not my interest. If that if that interests mm-hmm. you, I suggest you pursue that. Please, you right. know, make more of it because, mm-hmm. but don't. You ever get someone asking you, especially a client, right? They're like, can you draw this style? You're like, yeah, but why did you ask? Why did you hire me? Like, it's so not what you do. You know, yeah. like it would almost be counterintuitive to sit down trying to do it. Do you ever experience and that? That's, yes, I have experienced that. And that it's also like when people are like, can you draw my tattoo? I'm like, you know, you're forcing an artist to draw on someone else's title style and it's not going to look the same. The tattoo um, thing is crazy because I don't even I don't even have one. <laughs> And I'm like, guys, I'm not against it, but I don't have tattoos. And you probably don't want a guy who doesn't want tattoos drawing your tattoos. You know? uh, I explain, I'm like, I don't understand the canvas at his skin. It moves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is not, I was like, all those little details and stuff. I'm like, you want to talk to a tattoo and guess what's in the second title of their, you know, title? Artist. Yeah. Takes, takes a lot of effort. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to want to talk to a legit artist and the if you find one that's really good they're going to be expensive so then you save your money and then you get something beautiful um but i can't prevent you from putting myself on your body and i'm i uh, thank you and i've had that happen and, and that's humbling and it's like wow that's amazing that you wanted something of mine permanently on you cool um but i just don't get skin canvas and it is you know my canvas is paper and it's 2d and it doesn't move it doesn't twitch and um it doesn't grow <laughs> <laughs> this is a really weird podcast jen so but like uh, like the whole jim lee's comment is like i know that there was a time when he actually like when he was finally popular and he had hit that superstardom like oprah winfrey-esque level uh that he is at now and he started to change his style because I, you know, we eventually like to shake things up sometimes. And then the fans just were like, no, no, no. And then, and he really, um, I think if he created another screen name, he might be able to, to get away with a different style if he wanted. Um, well, they, just uh, explore that path. My com- um, One second on that thought, my, my comic book shop, the guy who owned the comic book shop in my town, uh, Pat mm-hmm. Duffy, he's from New York. And he would mm-hmm. tell me when I was a kid, he's like, you know, you know Rob, you know, uh, uh, Jim Lee's, his, he's just Barry Windsor Smith, you know? And I'm like, Barry Windsor Smith, the dude from Valiant? Like, I don't mm-hmm. And then I would start to look, I know the dude from Damn Valiant, that, that shows you my naivete, you know? <laughs> I was like, well, look at Weapon X, you know, like Conan, you know, I know, I know. But, you know, <laughs> at the time, you only knew what Wizard let you know. So, right. Um, <laughs> But I could see the understructure. Like if you remove the inking, I could see, oh, that's a really dynamic, let's say, MTV'd up version of Barry Windsor Smith. And I think mm-hmm. now, since he does a lot of his own inking and brushwork with the commissions and the covers and stuff, I just see, oh, he just, it looks more and more like the Barry Windsor Smith and less like, you know, someone is just inking over 
uh, like a style, like a, the chromatic Scott Williams sort of inky mm-hmm. style. So, yeah. Um, so speaking of paper, let's go back. What tools do you prefer to use? Uh, let's say for, obviously for Mermaid, it was mostly traditional, right? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm strictly a traditional artist. Uh, digital confuses the living snot out of me. Um, I can use Photoshop for the bare minimum basics. And then after that, I just get overwhelmed and try almost punch my computer. So um, yeah, very old school. I use uh, a light box. Um, and like, people are like, how do you get your pencils clean? I'm like, light box. <laughs> You're like, it's like an iPad without a brain. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, and the layers are just layers of paper. And that's how it works. <laughs> um, and, um, I've, I've done everything for even like making my own like graphite transfers. If I have to like using a an HB lead and just smudging it on the back. And that kit is where you just scribble on the back put it on there and then press really hard. So it makes a, a pencil line on the paper that you're wanting. And, um, but now I use Eon comic artboards is the paper that I prefer to use for my penciling and inking. It also handles the Copic markers very well. It does not take watercolor that well, um, simply because it absorbs so much that it starts to warp. Mm. And I've been exploring watercolors lately. So um, that in itself is, is a whole other world. Um, but for the most part, I'm using pencils, 2H LEDs, either mechanical pencil or lead holders, either whichever one is near me. And then um, I use Sumi ink and nibs. And so I ink my stuff with loose inks and the nibs and uh, brush pens and brushes. And after that, usually I scan it in and I send it off. Like you see the pretty finished digital colors, I work with about four separate colors who can color my stuff unless I want to color it myself. And then I use Copic markers and watercolor. And um, then that's, that's how I get it all done. Cha-cha-cha. Yeah, I always, <laughs> I always find like, like with supplies, I try to like remind artists when they ask me, what paper do you use? What pencils? I'm like, look, man, these papers are or this is what works for me. Like, it's not going to work for you, you know? Like, it's not like the paper or the pencils come with, you know, talent included. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. when you get that, what are you using? And you say it, and then they, wait a minute, come back. (laughs) You know, because I think that that some folks forget that your master class watching someone work, not necessarily getting the list of tools Hmm. and going for it. And I also think that um, finding a community of artists is better than um, than just asking what tools are and then buying it and then not knowing how to use it. Um, I wouldn't have started inking with loose inks had I not found a close-knit community and basically just been forced to try it. Um, I was with this group and I was like, God, your inks look so organic and I love the shapes and how you, how do you do it? Like, you know, basically when I stumble across really talented artists and I don't understand. I like just start screaming at them. You're a witch. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that witch con, that dragon con must yeah. be fun. <laughs> and they, um, and it was Stephen Green. He's, he's really talented. If you ever get a chance to look up his work, he's, he's amazing. And he's, he's one of those and I, I love him and he's so talented, but he's one of those that with the sketchbook that legit looks like a portfolio. He's like, Oh, oh just right. this blah, 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 blah. and I'm all like, Screw you. 
sad. <laughs> and but yeah, like every page is is beautiful. And of course, you know, my sketchbook is my own like learning diary. So every page is is crap. Um, because I'm drawing things I don't like drawing. So you see my struggle. And, and um, but I did, I sat there and I watched him work. And then I was just like, I was boggled. And he's like, and he just kind of threw some old stuff at me that he had. And um, he's like, well, just give it a try. And I, I fell in love with it. Now there was that the whole learning curve of, you know, using the wrong inks on the wrong paper and it bleeding everywhere. And then, you know, trying to figure out what works best with what. And then, you know, to this day, I still struggle. I don't go from left to right since I'm right-handed. I still ink all over the paper. So I smudge. Um, and that's where the white paint comes in. I'm like, I got to fix it. Let's use some white out and uh, things like that. But I wouldn't have tried that had I not had that camaraderie and community. So I think that being around other artists is is very important not necessarily just because you're trying to you know be better than somebody it's just that you're around someone who also does not mind that you're looking down and not looking at their face while you're having a conversation because they understand that you can't make eye contact and draw just not there yet and that they you know don't mind sharing what they have like again the watercolor stuff i wouldn't have even tried watercolor had i not run into another artist who was like here this this is my old stuff why don't you play with that and see if you can figure it out i still haven't figured it out but it's fun to play with <laughs> it's <laughs> i think though going going from copics to watercolor is not a giant leap though like um it's, it's still like it's still using it's because it, fundamentally you're using the light to dark method where you yes. it, the darker it gets is because you keep applying glazes of color and that's how copics work so mm -hmm. it's it's a pretty natural transition it's just i think the wait time on watercolors what throws people off you have to dry you I mean you can you can hot air dry that paper all you want at some point you're going to warp it too so like yeah you gotta let it sit now yeah. and with copics i actually let them sit and but it's again it's there's more control and copics seem to be more forgiving than watercolor at least for me and, and, and they don't turn brown right away so yes. <laughs> right. Yes. and i'm all like dang it let's start over so yeah i use it mostly the watercolors are mostly to color on top of my copics and find splashy backgrounds for right now until i can figure it out awesome so you do commissions right <laughs> yes uh what, what what kind of what kind of commissions do you prefer like you know like like when someone's like, I want you to draw a character, do you prefer just to draw pre-existing characters or? Um, I, the commissions that I like is when people are like, hey, I saw such and such. If you like drawing that, could you just have some fun? And then I'm all like, yes, I guess I can have some fun. That'd be great, pre-existing or not. When people let me off my leash and let me play are my favorite commissions. The ones that I struggle with are when people are like, I want this character in this pose, wearing this outfit with the hair blowing this way, and I want that and this. And then I get really, really specific to the point where I'm so restricted that it shows that I didn't have fun. Right. <laughs> and I think that, you know, but with commissions, as long as the, the, the client is happy, then... I, I'm glad. I, I hope I would like to have fun with it because, but, it, you know, and I'm going to do the best that I can because my name's on it. They're going to share it on the social media, so I don't want to be ashamed. <laughs> just hide it. 
Oh, I've got a whole <laughs> list of, there was a time I did these $10 commissions, right, mm -hmm. um, years ago. And for some reason, that's what sticks when my name pops up somewhere. And I'm like, oh, no, though, this guy just draws like a bad Rob Liefeld. And I'm like, thanks, guys. You know, that's what I get. <laughs> Whatever. That's my new brand. Thank you. I always love it when the when when a commissioned when a commissioner commissioner is that the right commissioned client whatever becomes a little yeah. mini art director. You know. Yeah, it, it can get a little tedious sometimes when they when they get a little controlling. But I and I also understand too. It's you know that's something that they paid a lot of money for because I'll go ahead and say my commissions are not cheap. Um, so I I understand the whole kind of heartburn aspect from their point of view of. Hey, I paid a lot of money for this. I want to, I want to hang it on my wall and be proud of it. Um, and I have had it. I have had people be like, "Really, this is it?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, yes." That's an artist uh, alley thing, though, right? Yeah, yeah. most of the time in the artist. Yeah, um, people think um, that commissions that are done at home are the same quality you get live at a con, and I don't think they realize yeah. how many hours go into a home commission. Because generally speaking, I don't know about you, Jim, but generally speaking, for Rob. Um, we put way more into those home commissions than we probably should sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, well, the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get that layer of guilt because you're like, dang it, I didn't start working on it. I need to make this look a little bit better. Or, or the whole, um, like for me, it's the play, like being, cause, cause I get a lot of joy with, with art. And, um, so when I'm allowed to play with, with artwork and with commissions, uh, yes, I do tend to put more time and effort into it. Plus, just not being interrupted every five minutes with, did you draw that? Hmm. Um, <laughs> so what you got going on here? What's going on? What you doing? Like, I'm currently drawing a commission, buddy. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, you know, my thing is, like, people are going, hey, man, great art. And then Shane going, that was her. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, you know, I'm like, he looks like a gen. I totally understand. It's there. Uh, <laughs> well that's how i met natalie and her husband because her husband came to the the booth i was with tom uh -huh. and he was like my wife draws and i'm like okay you know like, he's like here's what you want to see her art i'm like that yeah i do but can you ask her to come like because i don't know how to give you it's not like i'm just gonna be honest man like you know here's how it works artists have to rep their own art like you know you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. uh, you, go task them but around here you know and then when she did show up i was like okay now you're pretty freaking amazing you should talk to tom get paid <laughs> tom was right? like you signing people up i'm like no you are but i'm recommending her art's pretty dope dude you know you're like that one that <laughs> right. one right there <laughs> and i don't even know i didn't even i don't know how tom found it tom finds some pretty good talent out there like he's always got yeah. some new artists i'm like where, where do these people grow because i, I want to grow a few like i need help right have, he has an eye for it honestly and i like with natalie and and her husband at the time um i think that she was more shy mm. and and the whole networking stuff and whatnot so i think that that was what he was trying to do was to try to promote her um whereas now i don't think she has a problem i haven't spoken yeah. to her in ages because she's a rock star now oh yeah i know and and good for it because she's so talented and, and uh -huh. amazing and i think for for the thing with me and shane is that now um the fan base basically sees us as a set because wherever i am he is <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa and usually what we do when we go to shows is that we set up and i stand the entire time i stand drawing and i'm usually in front of the table i have an easel so the people can look over my shoulder um 
I I like to stand up and not be stuck behind the table because if I get stuck behind the table, I'll just hide mm. and kind of like, you know, nest and start drawing and then I won't talk to people. So it gives me the opportunity to turn around, to talk to folks, for people to watch me work. And also, you know, marketing is creating that spectacle of, of seeing someone be creative. Um, and so that's helped us, but it's just, it's really laughable because people still come to the table and they see my stuff and they compliment Shane and I'm legit standing in front of the table. <laughs> well, let me bring up your booth really quick. Cause it, when you posted pictures, I was like, man, your booth's come a long way, Jen. That looks pretty friggin' awesome. But it yeah, clearly awesome. says like, if I could just scroll up here one second, yeah. Genevieve Rubin. I know. And I'm like, big female so drawing you know what i mean like shane wow you know like it's so girly it's like a giant rainbow <laughs> and people still you know and i i told shane i was like i know what it is i know exactly what it is he's like what is it honey i'm like you need to be a booth baby i gotta put you in shorty shorts they just don't understand i told brandon I like, that years ago i need to put you in the same exact slave leia so outfit that all these other girls are wearing you know? <laughs> i believe there's an untapped potential here at con brandon that you need to step up and bring to my table <laughs> you see what these girls are bringing you see what they're bringing they're we working we literally yeah, should 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 make them. beefcake and sell it there, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then have booth beef. <laughs> oh, oh no, uh, booth. <laughs> booth beef <laughs> That is catching on though. Guys are now starting to feel comfortable enough to wear imposing the same yes. outfits. So I'm like, that's so awesome because they should. For some reason, I, I get it. It's fun. Competition it's breeds seriousness. You know, mm -hmm. but in the mm -hmm. mid '90s, the only people who took their cosplay serious at Comic Con were the Star Trek people, and they were fucking right. weird. Like, <laughs> I love Star Trek, especially Deep Space Nine. That's my jam. But yes. they would only talk in Klingon, and you're like, I just want to know where the, the, the Eric Larson's at. Like, <laughs> there's dark, flop, flop, flop. You know, like, I oh got guys. I just can you just point. Can you just point? Yeah. <laughs> Cling on! They you know? have to hold up the sign. Live long and prosper. Thank you. <laughs> Very a Ferengian sight to see his fucking dick. So, yeah. so, but that seriousness in, com in cosplay took over, you know. I, mostly, I think, because the Japanese were kicking our ass. Right? Yes. They, they're, they're yes. the most amazing. Yes. And now yes. I think well, it's the fun has sort of come back in, too. It's, it's, it's gotten playful. It's definitely gotten playful. I... Um, I have only cosplayed once, and that was um, that it ended up kind of uh, not working for me at the time. It was when I was at the Big Dog Inc. booth. It was in the show in Texas, and I cosplayed as Dorothy, and I only did it once. Oh. And it, it stunk because people wouldn't take me seriously as an artist. Like, mm. I was, I, again, sitting there drawing, and then the guy's like, oh, who's the artist? I'm like, me. And they're like, no, you're not. You're dressed up. And I'm like, no, it was still me. I can put on a costume and draw. Um, doesn't hinder me drawing. <laughs> but I guess the whole idea is that you don't see, you know, other, like now you do. Now there's more artists who actually have gotten into the cosplay because again, like you said, it's gotten fun. Um, but then I guess the the idea that an artist would would dress up, and then of course I kept getting asked, "Can we take your picture?" And I was like, "Damn, I really need to get right. this done." Uh, so right. I don't do it. Um, my kids, 
uh, did for DragonCon and they had a blast. They had so much fun. It's just basically become year round Halloween. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Especially if you do like eight shows, right? Right, right. So, but you know, it was, it was just a lot of fun. Like my oldest dressed up as Squirrel Girl because she has short red hair and she was perfect. And people went berserk and she just was like, this is seriously fun. So there's a, you know, that, that playfulness is, is back in the whole cosplay part. And, um, and I do like Afua, she likes to cosplay at her table, but I don't think that she does a lot of commissions at her table due to that because she gets asked for photos a lot. She looks beautiful. She looks like she's walked right out of a comic book herself. Um, and her art is just amazing. Um, yeah, but, you know, I figured if I ever get a chance to go to a show, I would like to cosplay. Just not, I don't know if I'd like to do it at my booth for one comfort factor and then two, just the interruptions and if I'm taking commissions and whatnot. Right. So, yeah, but. So yeah, getting back to, getting back to art. So you ever incur, you ever, you ever, you ever, you ever come across art resistance? Do you know what I'm talking about? Art resistance? Yeah, so resistance, um, there's a book called The Art of War, or The War of Art, I can't remember what it's called, The Art of War. So um, okay. it's about creative, um, overcoming resistance, creative resistance. Uh, we like to call that procrastination, but this, I find this to be a completely, <laughs> okay. I find this to be completely different. You know, procrastination is okay. one thing, that's a form of resistance, but mm -hmm. especially when you get a little further down the line in your, your skill set, you ever find yourself just staring at your work, not doing anything? You're like, this yes. is not, I don't know what is salt. I, I want to, I'm not drawing. What? And you, you could force yourself, but some nights it's not working, no matter what well, you it, do. It, 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 it all boils down to, in the end, it becomes work. Um, and I, I don't call it resistance. I call that burnout. <laughs> so mm. I guess I'm just not into the whole cool new terms. Um, but yes, yes, um, I've, I've had that happen a few times. Usually uh, it happens to me right before a growth spurt in style or a, like a, a shift in, in uh, my artwork for the better. I have this like moment of just absolute frustration in the whole like, you know, almost like table flipping. Uh, I just don't want to do this anymore. And right just wanting to give up or, you know, going on Instagram, there's so much more talent out there and, you know, starting <laughs> to have this little pity party with my wine and, <laughs> and things like that. Um, but I think that that's normal because I think that we're our own worst critics. I, I think that we, we are harshest on ourselves. Um, we're competitive again, by nature. So we see other talent, we're, you know, kicking ourselves, why am I not better? Because well, you, you have to do it. And then of course, when you have that work and you're necessarily drawing things that you don't particularly enjoy, or maybe you have gotten bored or stagnant, mm. um, you, you get frustrated because you don't see improvement. And um, I think that, that that's perfectly normal. So I think that you have to, take some time um, to refill your creativity storage space, I guess. Like take some time to do stuff you like, which was for me, which was the whole hashtag mermaid. And then I had, you know, since the successful Kickstarter, it also kind of boosted my ego slightly. Um, that was a lot. That's um, right, everybody. Hey, people, yeah, people like, you know, people liked it. I'm like, I, I was, you know, you, you 
really like me. Um, Cut to next year. We're like, we've seen the mermaids. Draw some new yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <It's in there. laughs> I, I don't know what else to do. Puddle of red wine. But, you know, but again, it's, it's one of those things where you have like, so for me, what I started doing is I got these little tiny sketchbooks that fit in my purse and I carried them everywhere. And I just started doodling whatever the heck was in my brain. So if I wanted to, you know, like do some studies and stuff while sitting at the bus stop waiting for the kids, I'm like drawing trees and stuff. And of course, you know, the HOA is looking at me like, what the heck? And I'm like, you need to try to be, you know, you need to work on them bushes there, Steve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> getting a little ratty tatty. I don't, but it was just my way of getting out of the whole superhero stuff that I was doing constantly and forcing my headspace someplace different to spur again that that you know creative thinking and trying to also you know come up with something uh, off the wall like I did a whole study on hyenas which turned around cuz I found their shape to be fascinating they are they are like the weirdest shape critter like they have these huge shoulders. They're basically just a triangle with like a giraffe neck. It's weird. Um, they are just really odd. And then after doing like two page studies of hyenas, just because I found them fascinating, I drew a Harley Quinn with her, you know, hyena baby. So, I mean. That's how you studies. write off trips to the zoo now, right? On right, the taxes. yes. It's <laughs> for work. <laughs> Like, like for a beefcake, like uh, I tweeted oh, last no. night, I, I was <laughs> laughing so hard. And of course, I don't have a huge Twitter following, so I feel like I can tweet whatever I want. And no one is like, there's going to get like two likes. Like, no one even pays attention. Um, but I tweeted last night, I was like, looking up, you know, references for male anatomy makes me completely appreciate my husband. Be like, it's for the articles. Bro, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And I'm like, it's i'm looking it up for references uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and then i'm like but you know he does it's, it's true it's for the articles he makes a kick-ass margarita so <laughs> he did read um but it's it, it like it, it cracks me up that you know you're looking up all of this other stuff that's different that you know pushes you out of your comfort zone and then those those that that stagnation will will start to go away it will start to to let go and then you're you're free to explore and then all of a sudden if you go back to you know your genre or your work or what you're you know what you've been doing you you come back with a fresh you know fresh outlook on what you could create and, and what you can add to it so i think it makes you more well-rounded but the burnout is real and i think that the only way to defeat the burnout is to take that time to to that fill definitely that's definitely true. It also gets very difficult when you're under, you know, yes. when you're under deadlines and you're like, but I'm having a growth spurt. And they're like, we don't give a fucking crap, Rob. You know what I mean? We didn't hire yeah. you for your growth spurt, Rob. I, 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 I do think that you are a hundred percent right on that. It tends to come when you get to a certain professional level, it definitely comes when your art is about to change. And I think that yeah. that's like, I'm no neurosurgeon, obviously, <laughs> but I did get this Udemy video once on how to perform brain surgery. So now I know, now I know how to do it. It was an 18 hour course. <laughs> it's 18 hours. So obviously I put in the time, um, <laughs> but there are like new pathways forming. And I feel like that sometimes that can be it. 
Um, mm-hmm. It could be those new pathways forming, and you're just like, I can't, I can't even do this right now. I need something else, and that 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 ability to have something to go draw that has nothing to do with what you're working on or any pressure yes. to even post it is very mm-hmm. important, right? Yes, yeah, just finding the joy of not having to stress on the outcome of your product of what you're creating is a relief in itself. And that's where I say it's like you're finding that kind of play, that that joy in art that we used to have as kids, you know? And it's it's very freeing, but nothing is worse than when you're working on something and it just isn't working. And you're so frustrated because you got to get it done and it's just not happening. That is like the worst predicament to be in. And I don't know any professional who has not been in that predicament at one point in time. I remember it happened to me two years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah. So it was Christmas 2016. I, I got this cover to do as Grand Theft Auto cover for this French gaming magazine. I was like, I always wanted to be big in France. So I was super excited. <laughs> but I was still coloring by, I was still doing my shades by hand, you know, um, mm-hmm. in Photoshop. And I, I was like, I turned that cover in, I was not happy. And I could tell, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell, you know, when they're yeah. like, oh yeah, that's cool. Um, and so it was Christmas and I went downstairs and my wife and I had the Muppet. We have that Muppet Christmas special. We watch. Mm-hmm. I have a whole folder of, Muppet, of stuff we watch every year. So I'm watching that. And then somewhere along the way, something like clicked into play. So I'm like, I- I'll be back. She's like, no, don't. Don't go back up to your room. Like, no, no, no. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, no. There goes Christmas. So you 12 hours later, I recolored the whole cover using the lasso tool. Where mm-hmm. you draw out, like cuts and grads. You draw out your highlights and your airbrush stuff in. And you soften edges. And and like for some, it I had never done it. It had never made sense. I knew how to do it for 20 years. Could never, I don't know, just didn't, drawing with a lasso tool did, made no sense to to me. But it definitely, it definitely happened that day. And I recorded the whole cover and sent it back in. And they're like, what? And, you know, and I was like, hey, it works. They, I, I, I upgraded. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, <laughs> mold wine for everybody, you know. <laughs> It's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. You're not Uncle Scrooge anymore. You're like, I literally, I walked down like Michael Caine. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he kicked that little bunny. That's my favorite scene when the little. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But, but those are those epiphanies. Those are those, you know, those moments that, that we have where you don't know where it's going to hit you. But all of a sudden that light bulb goes off and you're like, I am an idiot. And then you're like, you know, you have those Eureka and you you run off and they're like, no, you know, everybody has else that, around you is like, what are you doing? You're like, has that happened to you during a yeah. project for a client? Like on Lights, Camera, Jungle? Did it happen there? <laughs> um, Lights, Camera, Jungle was tough. Um, it was tough for me because um, I had started doing it and then we had hit a life snag where um, we were in Alabama and it was fun being in Alabama, but where we were was a little um, backwoods, so to speak. And Shane, God love him, um, was in an environment that was not very appreciative of the diversity hires. Mm. (laughs) And we just realized that we did not like that environment to raise our families. And though we were closer to our family back in Pensacola, it was just not what we wanted to raise our kids around, you know? And then of course, you know, this is coming from someone who is also, I am 
legit biracial 50-50. And when people in that area found out, then I started to become treated differently. Now, granted, both my kids look, you know, like their dad. They're very pale, but, you know, whatevs. Um, but the thing is, is that we just realized that it was not good. So here I am in the middle of drawing a 40-page book, having never really drawn interiors before. So, <laughs> you know, kids. That was your 40. first interior work, right? It was. Because I think... I I think I gave you the good luck. I think I remember yeah. that story. Like, this is my first time. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, you did. You kind of gave me a thumbs up. Like, good luck to you, kid. And I'm like, I can do anything. You're like, uh, <laughs> it, it, Life is reading rainbow. You can. You can yes, do anything. Yes, you can. Uh, Slowly. <laughs> read the book. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but basically, um, it was that huge transition of, Doing covers is different than interiors because it's storytelling. And I found out that by doing interiors, I tend to think of more of like a graphics designer. So I would try to face everybody inward because that's what you do on the inside of magazines and books. And then, of course, you know, I'd get the edits. They're not walking that way. You have them going the wrong direction. Leave room for words. And, um, and things like that. So it was, it was difficult for me. So I was in this whole learning curve. Then... We had to scramble to, you know, for Shane to get another job because, again, we're living off of one income. And it was just this huge life thing. And then we moved. Um, so we settled in Savannah. We were there for a couple of years, found a great art community there, was starting to finally get my legs with Lights, Camera, Jungle, but it was taking a lot longer than I had uh, anticipated and had hoped. Um, and then he got promoted, which is great. Because Shane is, again, very successful. He gets promoted quickly. But we had to move again. <laughs> wow. So then I wrapped it up here in <clears throat> Jacksonville. And after I sent it all in and was done with it, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, because it took too much time. And with young children and then moving twice within that whole situation and, and everything, it was just too much. But I look back and I see that by the end, by the end of the book, I had finally found my uh, interior legs. Yeah. Like you can look at the front, and the front is just is I am not happy with. But the back of the book, I'm like I finally. You could see like there's one page where I finally freaking figured it out. And then you and quit. Then, right. And then I. And then I <laughs> Typical but, artist. <laughs> God, we're so flaky. Um, but by by that learning experience. I realized that, yes, I do want to do interiors again, not right now and not 40 pages worth, <laughs> right. but that I, if I explore it some more, like if you, in my sketchbooks, even I'm starting to do like, you know, some page layouts and things like that to just kind of make sure that I still have that. I, I noticed that I like doing the head, the talking heads. I like drawing emotion, um, need to practice more on drawing action and things like that and of course buildings are my the bane of my existence but um you know everybody has their their crutches that they don't like and um but it it, it was it, it was a huge learning experience but it also taught me my my weaknesses and my boundaries so you know at least i have my set boundaries now when people ask me they're like will you do interiors i'm like a six pager maybe <laughs> anything <laughs> else 
Yeah, I, that's why I tell publishers, and they're like, we don't have four issues, you know, I don't like them four pages, for, you know, but then they'll mm-hmm. show up uh, every other year, it's like, Rob, why did you do four pages in a yokai watch? And I'm like, well, you know, here's how it works, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. someone didn't turn in 22 pages that month, and, you know, and Rob's just waiting to snatch up the moolahs. Uh, four pages. Speaking of, I was, I was reminded when you are talking about joy and art, and then you were talking about HOA. You think Bob Ross was ever in charge of his HOA? Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you could use a little happy little tree in your yard, you know, like, I don't know about those trees, you know. Like, I always yeah. wonder, like, you ever think... <laughs> I would love to see Bob Ross in an HOA being like, your tree needs a little friend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, all my younger artists are like what the hell is an hoa you old turd you know <laughs> oh it's when you get into them neighborhoods and then everybody's policing you like you need to trim your hedges there how about um, take your lights down you know like that that's all i you know i'm, I'm all for january february but in may it's like come on guys they're, they're fading i know they're still like why didn't you take your halloween decoration down although i will have to say i had a moment um and I swear, I think that I might like legit just start like a little mini comic strip just of, is my neighbor a witch? No, she's an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Witcher artist. We can't Witcher tell. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because I like having, um, I like having skulls in my studio for references. I've got a little deer skull in it right now. And then um, I, well, I went back home. My parents are, you know, I love them. My parents look like Lucy and Desi. My mom's got the flaming red hair. My dad's this little brown man, um, but both with hillbilly accents. It's great. And they live out in the sticks. And we, they have a collection of like cow and horse and deer skulls. And there's a horse skull that my father and I found back when I was a teenager and we were horseback riding. And we found it out in the field and they, it's been out in their barn forever. And I was like, do you mind if I take that home? And we got to bleach it because it's been sitting out, you know, in, right. in the elements. I was like, I got to bleach it and I got to put sealant on it. Because if you don't put sealant on skulls, just heads up, they will flake. They will deteriorate. Um, and we have a skull over our mantle of, it's an elk skull, but it's, it had a deformity. So it actually looks really, really cool. Um, so I guess it's kind of like macabre. But I have all these like kind of things. Yeah, this is, like, <laughs> um, around my office. I like how you finally you you caught up to that thought. You know, you're like, I have all these dead things. Oh dead no, things. I oh no, that's kinda, out there now. Scary. Um, but so I'm cleaning this horse skull. <laughs> One sec. All right, and Amazon. I'm oh, sorry. In my front yard. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm holding it up, and I'm putting the sealant on it. So I, we had bleached it. It's clean. I got all the flakies off. It's not brown and, and crusty looking anymore. So I'm putting the sealant on it. So I'm out in the front yard, and I'm spraying it. My kids are riding their bikes on the road. You know, just you know, <laughs> very um, leave it to beaver esque uh, situation, with the exception of me holding a giant horse skull in my hand. And the neighbor drives by, and here in me and all my southernisms. I'm um like you know <laughs> like aunt pity pat or something in the front yard like hey how y'all doing and they just start driving really fast <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna pay off though jen when when, when beta I'm like oh crap <laughs> when beta ray bill shows up in a thor movie they're gonna go it's beta ray bill you know like i, I killed him you know like, <laughs> like, and I'm, like, and I'm like oh god they're like oh who is this woman so i'm like okay I'll I'll do the rest of the stuff in the backyard. <laughs> they can't see me. 
<laughs> I guess they thought I was like sacrifice goat or something. I don't know, but definitely it, a witch. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you know, my kids, <laughs> we were weeding, and my youngest, they call her my dark princess because she loves everything pink, but she just has a darkness to her. And she was wearing this mask, and my neighbor, who's a friend, took a picture of her. She's holding a thing of twigs, wearing a black dress and this really pretty mask, but it looks scary as heck. And she's like four, and she's just happy to see them, but she wrote me, what is this? Like, to be fair, He-Man was fairly dark, too, right? I mean, I know, it right? Built, <laughs> I mean, it was a living skeleton, and so, yeah. I mean, never-ending story, come on. Oh, wow, <laughs> But, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like, um, yeah, I think that that would be a funny little strip, at least for me, is my witch or artist. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, we have those little moments here in our little HOA neighborhood because it, it is a little bougie. Well, I like to wrap up the. Uh, I want to wrap this up here. Wow, hours! It's just time just flies, Jen. You got all the stories. It does. Having so, fun. So, if you let's just this is hypothetical, right? So, let's say mm-hmm. you decide I'm gonna. You had the opportunity to draw any one comic, and you're like, I feel like doing interiors again. Mm-hmm. What would be your pick for a pre-existing comic, past or present? You'd like to do if you could just do one issue. If I could just do one issue, I would love to get on. Um, Again, back to the whole Brian Fraud, I'd love to get on like a Dark Crystal issue or even, you know, I love, um, oh goodness, I love so many titles, it's ridiculous. Like Saga Monstrous, if you haven't read that book, it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Like looking at the interiors of that book, I'm like, oh, I wish I could draw like that. Um, Again, complexes, but something with monsters, something with monsters are high fantasy, oddly enough, not not a superhero book. Yeah, if I could pick a book for you, it'd be Thundercats. That would be fun. Yeah. Because that is a mix of superhero and fantasy. <laughs> it's not real it life. Is. That's what my mom told me. No. Women don't jump 50 feet in the air and look like cats. I'm like, but they could, you know, if they You're believed like, in themselves. That's <laughs> 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 who I will. She'd be like, so she, you know, it's not supposed to be real. We're supposed to suspend our belief. Um, but yeah, Thundercats would be a fun mix of fantasy and and superhero because you got the kind of superhero body types, but you also have the fantasy that they're cats. Mumra is awesome, right? Yeah. Even if you're not yeah. a fan of the story, like that's a pretty cool name and a mm-hmm. visual. Mm-hmm. So wrapping all of it up, Jen, what's next for you? What's up? What's up on the pike? What's coming? What's coming? What I'm doing right now is I'm I'm in the stable at Coffin. So the Lady Death, La Muerta, Hell Witch comics, you'll see those steadily coming forward. And so Brian pretty much just is like, hey, you want to draw this? I'm like, yes. Or I reach out and I'm like, I want to draw that. And I do it and it'll get published one day. <laughs> um, oh, which is so great. you cut out a little bit. Sometimes Discord oh, okay. does that. So Coffin Comics is the imprint from Brian Pulido. Yes. Right. Yes. I had and the doing... fortunate ability to meet him right when they first formed chaos mm-hmm. in san diego they they did an art contest at a comic shop called good guys bad guys and mm-hmm. uh when they first formed chaos lady death issue one i think they had that there and he was there with his wife and they were like if you draw a character and the winner will have their character in the comic i did not win Sweet. so uh <laughs> no 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 but uh was it morales mark Morales, mark, mark, the big giant dude recently passed away he was there mm-hmm. and they were still coloring all their comics with markers at the time too. nice yeah oh so. man 
Yeah, he's he's killing it on Kickstarter. If you want to look on how to do a Kickstarter campaign, Brian Polito is not uh, one to to like be shy about his success. He's he's he is slaying it, but he's doing it smart. He has everything finished up front. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's very uh, smart. Yeah, very smart. That's how you kickstart a campaign. That's what I did with done. I was just waiting for the money to print it. So right. yeah, have it finished first, and then it goes much smoother. But yeah, his his titles, and then I've done I've been doing some store exclusives of Vampirellas through Port City Comics. Um and just had Marvel reach out to me recently. Ooh. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it, it was, this wouldn't be the first time. So we'll see. Um, again, I'm like, I can't do it too much right now. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah. Um, so We'd I'm, like it I'm, by I'm, Monday. Yeah, Monday. <laughs> 40 yeah. pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't. Um, but we'll see. We'll never know. And then, of course, my own art books. I'm hoping to do some of those. Well, the Vampirella stuff's looking pretty awesome. We could see the Thank skulls. You. Is that the skull that's on your mantle? That is the skull. Uh, that look is, at that. is a reference I have. And, um, and the fun thing with the exclusives through Port City is that Steve is letting me play with different styles. So um, he's really not uh, giving me much guidance other than draw Vampirella. And... Um, He's giving me the thumbs up. He's like, draw as many until you're bored. <laughs> so <laughs> I get to to really play with this character and then also play with doing uh, different styles. So if you see the three that I've done so far, they do have very distinct different looks to them. I mean, they all have, they, their undercurrent still looks like my work, but it is very different from the normal stuff that I usually create. So um, being able to play has been a lot of fun. And me and... Um, Anna have been talking about creating our own exclusives where, you know, we pay for the runs. So, well, that's, that came out bad. The runs of the comics. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy tie it is, Jen. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. One way to lose weight um, yeah. and still eat. <laughs> we, we pay for the comic book runs and then we pay for all of it so that we get to put our name on it and uh and and sell it and whatnot and then i think that that might be a fun way to to draw covers that i want to draw and and see if 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 anybody bites so yeah i'm all about like hey let's see if i can do stuff if i've got the brain and creativity to create it well i don't i don't think there's any question of that so uh, everything's super awesome jen you know um, I've been doing a few interviews recently. I, what I try to do is every few years, I just try to make the rounds and go, hey, you are you were my friend once. We should talk again, you know? <laughs> it's been a, a while. And yeah. man, I miss it. It's, it's good to hear from you. I've been living in my sketch cave. That's basically it, you know? So it's been super nice to catch up with all the artists. I got a few more coming up, and then, that, then I'm going to be done talking to people for a while. <laughs> you know? Uh, but your stuff is super, super awesome. Come a long way. You were pretty freaking awesome three years ago. You're all right when I met you. You were okay. But no. It's just okay. (laughs) (laughs) No. So it was super. And when there was a delay on Lights, Camera, Jungle, I was like, that happens. You know, like I was like, Tom, it happens, man. He's like, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm I'm patient. She's awesome. So he never once talked to her. I just want you to know. No, no. And it was, it was all, uh, you know, I, I had it just, it was a learning experience. And again, 
life just hit us with a two by four. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward. Uh, definitely, I will be paying attention to your Instagram. That's what I follow uh, for the most part. I love Instagram. Is there anything else? Do you have an online store you like to plug or the Twitch? We got right here Twitch uh, at Broom Closet Studio, twitch.tv. Uh, it's now uh, the Twitch channel is not the Broom Closet. Oh, no. Oh, you need no. to update your Instagram link. I do. Well, oh, I thought that, that I had. No, I'm so clicking on it right there. Okay, so I well I changed it because uh, it's now just Jen Brumall, all okay. one word, and um, so it's Jen Brumall is the Twitch channel. So thank you for letting me know on Instagram. I'll I'll fix that, um, and we're we're reverting back to Jen instead of Genevieve because I would tell people my full name and then typing it they'd glaze over, um, and then uh, I'm working on the store stores still shut down at the moment and i'm on twitter jen brumall art facebook art of jen brumall instagram art of jen brumall and then twitch jen brumall and i actually will be starting that next week so yay awesome getting, well jen you send me schedule. you send me the links and then in the video they sure. will all be below the video so everyone can click okay. those because every now and then yay. someone goes you like to talk how you're not famous I don't send any links to any of your stuff. You know, I'm like, all right, thank you, life advice coach. You know, <laughs> one, one, three, eight, you know, like whatever, you know. <laughs> life. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Jim. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm going to cue the music here, folks. Look at that. That was super awesome. Wasn't it? I think we learned a lot today, folks. I think we learned... Well, we learned that Jen is an amazing artist because you probably didn't know who she was because um, I just kind of learned about some of this stuff, too. Like, I, I knew Jen for a while, but, man, I did not know she was killing it with the mermaid book until just, like, a month ago. So we learned that. We also learned that Bob Ross should probably never be in charge of an HOA and uh, skulls are fun. Skulls are fun. Thanks for hanging out, folks. Peace.